I don't know if it's a next level or the next turn of the wheel, but it's continued learning. In the break between season one and two, I'll, I'll rerun some of the episodes, the most popular episodes in, in August. And I've listened to those three episodes. That's probably now the third time I've listened to those episodes and I'm still learning. I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah, I'm still learning from something I created. Clearly learning is a massive value of mine. Yeah, To continue to explore what are the edges of things that I want to know about? Who are the people that I can help me and the listeners learn about this thing? And in every conversation I take away so much, even if I think I know a fair bit. Welcome to Unset at Work. I'm your host, Catherine Stagmacy, an executive team coach interested in the conversations that we are not having at work. And this week, join me for a special behind-the-scenes look into the first season of this podcast. Yep, that's right. We have 37 episodes in the bag, and it's time to close out for the summer. And I've got a unique twist, as I've invited my friend and colleague, Ali King-Smith, to take over the microphone and interview me about my personal experience with this podcasting project and putting myself out there. We delve into what inspired me to start the project and the journey of experimenting and taking risks. And whilst I expect your plan isn't to load a podcast anytime soon, my hope is that by sharing the journey I've been on with this project, that you feel inspired to step forward and pursue that dream or role, a project that you've been longing for. Ali asked me some great questions, and so we talk about why I embarked on the venture, how I go about finding guests for the show, the significance of the title of the podcast, Unsaid at Work, and what that means to me, what that really means to me, and reflecting on whether I would continue creating episodes if no one was out there listening, like you. My guest turned host is Ali King-Smith. She's Managing Director of ClearWorks Coaching for Leaders in the STEM sector, She's also a writer and podcaster who, around the same time as me, launched this wonderful podcast called A Listening Life, which supports coaches who are running out of steam commercially. She's a lifelong advocate for women's sport and is in the process of launching what she calls her passion project podcast, which is called Older and Wilder, and that's going to be launched in autumn of 2023. And this podcast is all about sharing stories of women in their 50s and 60s and above who are using the magic of sport and exercise to thrive. Her mission is to raise the profile of sporty old women and remind the world that, that they're here. I feel like I'll remind the world that we're here as I'm in my 50s and that they're wonderful. Yay! She's crowdfunding the podcast in September by walking the 180 miles of a, a track called Offers Dyke Path, which runs from Chepstow, which is the southern part of Wales, for those of the listeners who aren't in the, U- in the UK, up to Prestatyn, which is the north part of Wales. So 180 miles is what she's walking, and that, that's all about crowdfunding the podcast. That's uh, certainly something, it's a fabulous cause that I hope we, I'll be tracking her with interest. Let's go listen to my conversation with Ali where she turns the spotlight on me, which I have to admit I did find a little unnerving. I think I'm being the, the, the host rather than the guest. But here we go. Let's go listen in. Ali, welcome to Unsaid at Work. Thank you. Today the mic is with you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guest and you're the host. I'm in charge. You are. Thank you for taking on the role. <laughs> well, it's an honor, absolute honor. I've been following your progress and enjoying your podcast and delighted to be on the other end of your mic today. Thank you. 
Would you like me to kick off with a question? Is that what we're going to do? It's <laughs> this is a free form, a free range organic, as I like to say. Well, I'm really excited to pick your brains and hear about your unsaid at work journey. I'm sure there are a thousand questions to ask you and I know what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you one and then we're going to be off. <laughs> we're not going to come back to my questions. <laughs> when you put two coders in a room, this is what happens. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We're going to reflect to death. <laughs> yeah. See if we can really kick the ass out of reflection on podcasting. <laughs> I've got a question for you because I'm loving this moment where it feels to me like you're, you've reached the end of season one. You're taking a breath. You're having a cheer survival. Um, so first question is how you're feeling. You've, you've done one <laughs> a season. It's actually really nice to have a season <laughs> ending. I wasn't planning on doing that. And it was my podcast editor, Mark, who suggested it. And I think it gives a invitation to pause because, you know, I, I, I just keep going, you know, and if I wasn't doing this, I'd be, you know, who's on in September? Who's on in October? You know, who do I invite? Where do I find them? I'd be caught up in the, the do, do, doing. So I'm pleased that I'm pausing and yeah, I look back and I'm like, wow, go, go CSM. Yeah. Go girl. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, I love a pause. I like a term. I think it goes back to school days when you clean the apple cores out of the bottom of your pea kit. <laughs> or maybe that's just a little bit too much information about my pea kit. <laughs> maybe there was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's something, isn't there, about taking the oxygen and just looking back and seeing where you've got to. Because even this morning, I was listening to the intro to your podcast season, and it feels like you're you're growing already just from from the first part. So I suppose let's let's just get back to you and the podcast and why this podcast. So a question came to me having visited the podcast show together where somebody posed the recommendation. It said, think about, are you excited enough about the idea of this podcast that you would commit to it for three solid years, even if no one listened? I said that to you and you said, hell yeah, definitely I would. So tell me about that attachment to this particular topic. Why this podcast? Yeah, I think it's, it's layered, right? I think it's long form, which I love, I, you know, that, that you can spend an half an hour to an hour talking to someone about a topic. It feels very, very reminiscent of, our, of coaching. You know, there's a depth, there's a nuance, there's a connection, there's an intimacy that I just love. I was surprised how much I enjoyed the format. Yeah. I thought it was going to be quite hard to generate the content, but once you're in it, I'm off. And then the, the lens, which I think you're asking me as well, is you know, like why unsaid. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the sort of coachy business head of me is like, there is so much stuff that I see in, in the coaching rooms that people are struggling with because we aren't talking about it. Yeah. And that winds me up. Mm. Can we just put more of this out there? But I think there's also a, a deeper, you know, a more personal response, which was I grew up in a house where a lot of things were unspoken. It was part of my, my upbringing. And so I find it very hard to be around settings or groups of people or contexts where we aren't saying, there's the elephant in the room and he's got a pink tuxedo on. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Because as a kid, I didn't have the skills, right? And I could, I could sense it. I could feel it. I could walk in the room, come home and kind of and sense into the room and go, there's stuff going on in the family. Mm. And I would just, I would just sort of shut off because I didn't have the tools to that. So I think there's a, you know, here I am 50 years later doing this. And I think part of it's a healing journey. Sure. Uh, at some level as well. Yeah. So are other people giving you the feedback that the things that you find hard to talk about at work are also the things that they find hard to talk about at work? Are they universal, these themes? I think so. 
my business coach says to me, if her reflection is that I have a high tolerance level for difficult conversations. So she said, if you're feeling uncomfortable, then you're probably in the right space of an unsaid at work topic. Oh, nice. Several of the episodes I have felt deeply uncomfortable talking about racism or being sensitive to someone's lived experience. Yeah, and uncertain, uncomfortable, uncertain, yes. unsure. You know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but you know, we want to talk about this thing. And I think that's a good mirror of what people are, you know, what listeners say that they find comforting. It's like I'm having the conversation they aren't yeah, you're doing it. ready to have or didn't know they had to have or didn't know it was a conversation they need to have. You know, it yeah. fits into various categories. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that before, but actually, in a sense, you are you're obviously modeling having the difficult conversation, but you're, you're kind of masterclassing. Here's me stepping right into that discomfort on the microphone so you can all listen to it and, and learning how to do it or how not to do it. Because you've had some amazing guests who've been able to guide you through those conversations, haven't you? Oh, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant guest. And I've taken some risks intentionally. One of the most downloaded episodes is with Michelle Takiabendi talking about the emotional toll of a, of a black woman at work. Yeah. And I talked about a, you know, my internalized racist response to something, and kind of deeply uncomfortable. In the point, you know, who wants to put the hands up and say that I'm racist? But did it to say to help people go like we all have this. Like if you're listening, yeah. you, you probably have a, your own version of this. And I'm not sitting here preaching to anyone. I don't, I don't have my shit together. Yeah. I am on a lifetime. I'm a learning journey, and my, you know, that's the invitation on the podcast. Is like, come, come with me, and and be curious about the things that you want to, you don't know that you could learn, know more about, whatever, you know. Because I'm, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, and it feels to me as if you're going more, well, deeper or braver as you go along. So first of all, you were modelling having those difficult conversations, and then there was actually an ap- episode. Here's how I burnt my life down <laughs> twice. It's a big step into yeah. personal disclosure, isn't it? It's a it's a brave thing. So, how are you enjoying that? You know, what what does that feel like doing that? It's funny. People, lots of people have said that was so brave. And that episode you're talking about about burning my life down doesn't feel brave because I think it feels like sharing the scars, not the wounds. Like I've done a lot of work yeah. in making sense of those periods of my life. Yes, understanding how I got there, understanding what got me out of it, understanding the gifts of that got me out of it. So, you know, I think this is back to like my business coach's point of sometimes the things that you're willing to push people to their, to their edge too. I'm not indifferent to that being a vulnerable episode. I'm not blind to that. But yeah, I was surprised by that, that exactly that, that response of people going, wow, it's very brave of you to put that out there. Maybe it's modeling as well. It's like, if we can't talk about this stuff, how do we help each other? Yeah, Absolutely. How do we learn from each other's experience? How do we ask for help when we need help if we don't know the other person has been through something similar? Yes. It's interesting because we've worked together in so many different capacities with different hats on. And one of the most memorable and um, transformational for me was when you were working as my supervisor. And I was asking you questions about myself around when I've had something bad happen or when I'm grieving or when I've got a teenager who's keeping me awake all night, how do I coach the next day? How do I keep going? And you invited me to think about what if you turned up feeling like you really feel and be the coach that would be that coach feeling like that. And it's a really different kind of school of thought from the coach shall not declare anything about themselves and shall 
be ice cold in all circumstances. So it feels to me like perhaps you've come to that over a period of time as a coach, as a supervisor, now as a podcast host, that you, you're doing it no matter what you're feeling like or you know, what's true at the time. Does that feel resonant? Yeah, I think that's true. I think a lot of clients that I work with, I share quite personal stuff with an intent. Yeah. I might tell them about my father's suicide or my depression or my burning my life down, but it's because it has my story serves something in that moment. You know, there's a leadership stake in that moment around that. And that has felt like a skill that I've had to learn. You know, my gift to you in the supervision session was given to me by my coach 10 years ago when I was struggling with depression and scared that I, if I had a black episode, how was I going to, you know, and I was working on my own and I, cause I used to have black episodes in a corporate and then you could just call in air quotes with flu or insert other yeah. recognizable accepted illness. Um, but as a, as a, you know, running your own business, you would lose money. Sure. If you take three days off and, uh, and sort of this terrified of like, uh, what do I do? And how do I, you know, I can't show up. I have to cancel. And she was, you know, she said that to me, what if you, showed up with your black dog sitting next to you yeah. on the calls. Like, whoa, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're, it's, you're right. It's a journey of, can I just show up in my kind of messy, fucked up humanness and, and accept myself before I ask other people to accept me in that. Yeah. So what's the step to then showing up as a podcaster on a bad day? Because I know you're producing podcasts weekly, you know, over a period of time. So there must be days when you feel less full of beans than others i haven't been good at batch recording in the way that you are <laughs> <laughs> so often the podcast re recording sessions in particular will fit into the day and i look at the afternoon and i'm like oh my god i've got so and so you know four o'clock and i'm like i don't feel like i'm on mm -hmm. my game you know, there's three thousand things i'm managing and my head somewhere else and but i've always done prep i've always done a prep call right and so I, you know, I open it up and I look at those notes and I kind of go, this is just a conversation with a human being who wants to show up and do their best because it's not easy being a guest either. No. And within five minutes we're off and we're in, in a yummy conversation and I completely forget my mm -hmm. anxiety or my tiredness or whatever it was that was getting in the way beforehand, which is why I think I could be doing this in three years time. It's like, I, I, this, ener you know, this energizes me. We talk as coaches about what fills your cup, what drains your cup. Yeah. When I hit record, the conversation energizes me. Sometimes some of the thousands of things that have to happen outside of the recording <laughs> get boring. <laughs> then you find it then you find an AI tool to do it for you and you're like you're you're back on track. <laughs> yeah, so it brings you energy like coaching might do, I guess those conversations. Yes. Very much so. Mm -hmm. So tell me about why now suddenly there was this energy I want to create these stories, these conversations. I want to share them. I want people to be able to learn from them. What brought it on? Uh, messy life. So I, April, May last year, I tried to launch a group coaching program that failed miserably with a lot of work that I'd put in and I'd followed all the formulas and it didn't, people didn't sign up. And I think I'd burnt out is too big a word. I had completely deplete, depleted myself in the build up and the design and the marketing and the learning copywriting and da 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 felt completely drained in, in, in talking to my business coach who appears a lot in my life. <laughs> shout out to Kelly. She said to me, you know, well, first of all, to see this as a wintering period, which I just love that idea of, yeah, I'm not, 
I can't create more in the space. It's okay. Yeah. I need to rest and recover from something I put a lot of energy in, even if it didn't come to fruition. You know, you still acknowledge the effort that sure. went into that. And she pointed out to me, she said, every time you talk about podcasting, and I had talked about podcasting before that, but said, you're not now, one project at a time. And she said, when you do talk about podcasting, you light up. What would it be like to think about podcasting now? And I'm like, <laughs> ooh, yes, that plugged me back into life. It was bizarre, right? And she, she was spot on. I'm like, yeah. And then I made it really complicated. I'm like, <laughs> but then I need a strategy and then I need a plan. and and like, how's it going to work? And what would it be called? And she's like, stop it, Catherine. This is a habit of mine. Like, this is where my consulting skills get in the way, you know, overcomplicate something. She's like, just, just put it, just put it out there. Make it super simple. I'm like, yeah, but what's the strategy? Like, well, how many, how many listeners should we have? And like, year one. And she's like, how about you just have, if your goal is to have fun with it until you don't have fun anymore. In fact, she actually told me to fuck strategy and put it on a post-it note behind my, <laughs> my screen. It's very, really, very releasing, I've got to say. Because <laughs> as a personal brand, like some of the stuff's like spaghetti. Like you just keep throwing it on a, on a, on a wall and you don't know what's going to sure. work. Like I'd, I'd thrown a bunch of spaghetti with a group coaching program at the wall. That didn't work. Yeah. And to bring it down to the creative pursuit was, was invigorating. And then I was like, oh, what would it be? And what would, it, what would the theme be? What would I talk about? And yeah. and she said, go away and think of 20 podcasts, episode ideas. And I came back with 60. And she says, I think you have something here. I'm like, yeah, I think I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is so much I want to talk about. Who knew? Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah that's where it started. A passion project is a recovery process of, of a failed business initiative. Yeah, but it's so inspiring and energizing that the thought that just if something seems to flow easily, ideas come easily, and you believe in it, just do it and and have the faith that it's going to be worth doing. I'm doing a similar thing with two podcasts now, just kind of just believing that they're useful somehow if I'm enjoying it. And, you know, why not do that? Yours seems to be really forming itself into, ah, this is what it really is. It seems to be forming. Is that how it feels? Or did it always feel fully formed? It just feels to me more full of oomph than ever. Just get, like, I know what you're doing. Is that how it feels for you? Yeah. I think this is like, will delight our listeners with our crazy coach metaphors. I have this image of me in, in like the Royal Opera House wardrobe warehouse. Yeah. You know, in the beginning of the podcast, you're going and going, oh, this is a nice hat, or those are funky shoes, or there's a cool cloak. Mm. At the end of series one, I'm, I have an outfit and it feels cohesive and I know the role that I'm playing and I know, I know the show that I'm going to show up on. And, you know, it, but I had to sort of go through that. I allowed myself to go through that process of trying things on. Yes. I got very caught up at one point in my podcast editor, who's amazing. Shout out to Mark had said, just simplify this. Like, don't have interviews every week. Have interviews every other week if that's where the heavy lifting is coming and then just do short five, ten-minute tools, you know, solo episodes. Yeah. 
which was useful, although that, that I find talking to myself for 10, 15 minutes harder than <laughs> interviewing someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that, the difference in energy requirement, difference in prep, difference in sense of those two. So you've got some interviews, the other person does the heavy lifting mm-hmm. of, the, of the reflection, some which is you. How did you come to that and how does it work for you? Just tell us about that. I think initially it was like, I know a whole bunch of really cool people who know cool stuff. Mm. Can I disinvite them in to talk? And then sort of retrofitting, like, what would I ask that person? Under what theme would I have that person on to talk? Because they're just, they're just super cool and they'll, people will enjoy listening to them. Yeah. And at the same time, probably like you too, I spend a lot of time repeating myself with certain tools to in, in individual coaching sessions and thinking, I'm happy to go through the you know on one on one but it would be nice to go and listen to the episode on toxic communications mm-hmm. as you know as homework or uh, as some sort of resource so that was the the idea behind the 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 solo episodes of a bit of a resource a bit of like you know here's half a dozen tools that you just should have in your in your toolbox as as a leader i have found the the individual ones harder because we're Interviews are natural, flowy. Like there's, there's questions as a framework, but we we chat like a like I said to my guests. Like imagine we're in a coffee shop and we're talking about topic X. Like let's just go for yeah. it. There's more prep behind that, but it's a very easy flowing conversation, and I allow the conversation to to go where it wants to go. Whereas if you have the mic for ten minutes, you have to be cohesive with an intro and a key points that you want to land and an outro. And so I script all of those. Ah, uh, you do. Yeah. I don't know if it's my menopausal brain or what. It's like I can't free flow because I'll ramble. I'll, I'm an R too much. I'll repeat myself. I just I can't do it. It has felt a little heavier. I'm I'm learning to write them less pure scripted, more like bullet points. My podcast editor, we share a, a passion for Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Suggested on the solo episodes, I put Kermit in front of me and I talk to Kermit as if I <laughs> see if he's the client, and I'm like, dude, you need to know this tool okay let's go and that's helped that's helped a lot to kind of keep it light and not yeah. like I'm reading out from a script on the solo episodes because that's super boring yeah do you know the coach in me is dying to jump into all sorts of stuff <laughs> around the assumptions <laughs> you might be making about your free-flowing ums and ums which I love listening to but <laughs> nice so let's just think about people who are listening to it for a minute. Just who mm-hmm. who do you hope's there and how do you know they're there? What are they telling you? Tell me some things about the people. Oh, I don't know who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the weird thing about podcasting. I mean, that, that's a joke and there's a seriousness in it. Like it can feel like you put it out there and it's crickets. And then somebody, like a client or someone will stop me in an office somewhere and go, oh, I heard your episode on... Hmm. xyz which was like two months ago oh, i was great and this is what i liked about it i'm like okay good someone's listening to someone it. out there <laughs> <laughs> of course you track the stats you know i mean the, and initially you're completely obsessed with the stats that you can get about downloads hmm. and that i mean the download the stats are interesting because it's you know what's the most downloaded episode is top five what that that's that says something in itself yes somebody emailed in and said She's since become a client. She said, listening to you is the, has been the most cathartic experience of my life and I have to have you as my coach. Mm. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that makes all this awkwardness and uncertainty and you know, worthwhile you know, just to have that one feedback. Yeah. So that's one extreme. But, I mean, on the, more generally, people come on in specific episodes usually that, that touch them. 
one client listens to me on the train home or to and to and from work, mm. which she doesn't do every day, but this one day she had a completely shit day and the, the, there was an episode on the five coaching questions that you should use in your own life. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh my God, Catherine, you were like completely in my head. I wasn't even expecting it. And she said, I worked those questions with the thing, the issue of the day. And she said, I'd solved it by the end of the train trip. <laughs> she said, that was brilliant. <laughs> so it's funny how people use, they sort of integrate what's, what you put out there. Like you, you can't control that, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the things I picked up at the podcast show was this real sense that purpose-led podcasting is the way to go. So podcast about stuff you really care about with passion in your heart. And the biggest hope is that somebody will tell their mate about it. So they'll, they'll pass it on. And, and that seems to be absolutely the essence of, of unsaid that it's, it's conversations between you and the person that you might think of as your mate. I'm not really making much sense here, but I feel as if it's an informal conversation that you're managing to create, even though the person's not in the room with you. I hope that's the case. There was someone I was talking to yesterday about coming on the podcast and she identifies a discriminated minority in America. Let's put it that way. Mm. We only know each other from LinkedIn. We've had a few exchanges on LinkedIn. And I could see she was asking me questions to feel safe, which I completely understand. And she, you know, there's certain things I don't want to talk about. I'm like, absolutely. So what I say to guests is I said, we want the intersection between what do you get excited to talk about? What do you feel safe talking about? And then what fits in the podcast? Mm. So a little Venn diagram, like right in the middle, that's the yummy conversation. Yeah. And let's craft some themes or questions around that. Then you, dear guest, forget about it. I've got them here. Don't worry. I got you. And then let's sit down and have a good old chat. And we know where we're going. And as if someone is listening in. So I want the listeners to, to, you know, I think I've said this. I have said this already, but as if we were in a coffee shop and they're listening in to me and the guest having this chat and it's casual, but it's meaningful. It has a thread because that's my job, but it's, it's a co-learning conversation. It's not, I, you know, neither guest or I are telling the listener that what they're doing wrong or yeah. it's not as simple as that. It does make sense. And it makes, begging the question for me, do you find the guests and think what's the difficult conversation that this guest could help us explore? Or do you have an, a difficult conversation and think who might have wisdom on this which way which comes first which way around does it mm. go I think in in series one I notice I'm saying series and seasons I should probably stick to one <laughs> of those it was about the person first and then the topic second yeah. in season two because I have now worked through a lot of my network of people who would just say yes immediately without even knowing what I was asking yeah I'm now on places like LinkedIn following interesting content creators going, oh, they have a really interesting perspective. Would they come on and talk about that that perspective? So for, for the next ser- series, there's a, someone I've whose podcast I've been following, Sophia Apostle. She has something a podcast called the Fat Joy Podcast mm. and calls herself fat and she interviews only fat people around what it's like to be fat, bias, obesity myths, all sorts of interesting things. I have my own fat journey that I'm going, which is, which is why I found her. But i listening to a podcast and I'm immediately going, oh, would she fit on unsaid yeah. work? And if so, where would I think she would fit? And I made that pitch to her and she's like, you know, which is really talking about anti-fat bias at work. And she's like, yeah, sure, love it. Yeah. And so she'll be on, on season two. So because I'm casting the net wider now, probably more topic 
you know, it's it's what I see someone talking about and then I'm thinking, would that fit or how does that fit on Unseen yeah. Work? So your relationship with the guest is going to be different. You're going to be more, or you're going to be further away from them before you start and needing to yeah. to do something slightly different from tapping up your network. <laughs> how does that feel? It was a real wake up call to me yesterday with this person I was talking about who was clearly a little concerned about what I might ask them. Not just what you might ask them, but how you might approach the conversation because there's there's a given intention of friendship and connection and depth, isn't there, with people that you've known and you trust that they're not going to say something that scares the life out of you on on air. Or- yeah, I think that's on me, right? That's the, We have a half an hour planning call mm. where we do this sort of Venn diagram conversation and it's a bit of getting to know you and and several of them have said we don't, we often get straight onto the podcast and it's recording and you know the host's like oh we'll just have a conversation mm. and i can see how unsettling that must be especially on difficult topics like marginalized lived experience and are people going to re-traumatize you in in how they in the questions that they ask you yeah and i would like to say it was about the guest i would i have to admit that the process was more about me sure What's my duty of care to the guest to make sure I have my shit together and yeah. am clear about it's an hour of their time in the recording, it's half an hour prep. Like I'm very aware of time people give to this. Sure. Uh, how do I maximize that? How do I make it an interesting conversation for them and useful for them? A lot of them are promoting a book or a podcast or a service. So I want them to be proud of being being on here as well. Yeah, so I've got a question for a friend. <laughs> what would happen <laughs> if you interviewed someone and it was dreadful? <laughs> what would you do? Is this just a question for a friend? Just a theoretical, <laughs> hypothetical, if that ever were to happen. <laughs> Frankly, it has never, ever happened to me, but it's a fear I have. If you mm. had a conversation and you thought, oh, that's just not congruent with what I believe mm. to be true, or you know, what the thing to do, do you think, as a podcast host? Oh. I think my my hope is that the podcast planning call would would catch that. Mm. Yeah, there's someone on LinkedIn who's pitching very hard to come on the show. Uh, I can't see the overlap at all with what she's offering. Very American employment law related, and I'm like, I just I just don't get it. But we're going to have to have a call because she she's persistent. I want to honor her persistence, and I think we'll come to an agreement where there isn't a fit. But yeah, should yeah. it go should it go wrong on the recording? Oof. I think we're very much in the space of hard conversations after that. Yeah. I wouldn't compromise the show, that's for sure. No. If I really felt it was didn't belong, I think it's just one of those tough things you'd have to call them up and tell them why. Yes. And stand in your integrity in those moments. Yeah, there's some nice integrity teasers coming up, I'm sure, as a podcast host, aren't there? I listened to Adam Buxton a fair bit. He was like the the grandmaster, original podcaster. And I've heard him a few times saying either he recorded something that didn't feel right or it didn't feel right at the time. And then he had a shock some months or years later when he revisited it and said, oh, no, it's great now. It just wasn't right Mm. then. So that's a tricky one to know, isn't it? That's just a learning journey, I guess. Mm. And sort of what's your responsibility and what's your, how do you contract with the the guest and all those sorts of things? Yeah, it's making um, (laughs) a... me think a lot about <laughs> mine. But it comes same as coaching, comes back to the pre-contract, doesn't it, of how you set it up at the beginning, what's the promise to yes. each other? Yes, completely. So what's been the hardest part of your first season series? I think it's all the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, the, the like trying to make mm. a process. Uh, I'm, I'm inherently lazy, so 
<laughs> I like very streamlined processes, sort of background stuff that just has to happen. So, you know, we press stop here on our thing, on our session. I need to record the intro and the outro separately. My choice. It needs show notes. It needs promotion on Instagram and LinkedIn and on my newsletter. You know, so what are the key points? What are the learning? You know, what were the key takeaways? Why should someone listen to this? All those things need to be extracted out. Yeah. Probably another hour, two hours on top of the recording and the planning, mm. which I don't begrudge, but I find it sometimes hard to focus on. I just wish some magic fairy godmother would come and just do it for me. And and yeah. I and AI does play a role in that. Like I got my hands on chat GBT very early on in, in using this and doing some of that work. And since then there's some really good tools that come out that We'll do it specifically, you know, specific AI tools for podcasters that just you drop the audio file in and it just drops everything out, show notes, timestamps, suggested podcast titles. I mean, a lot of it needs massaging, but it's it's like having a smart intern. It's like a, it's a great, I can work with a very rough draft. It just takes the cognitive load out of all the thinking because there's a lot, essentially it's a lot of copywriting that comes off the back of this, which is not my wheelhouse. Interesting. So if you if you had a magic wand and season two was 10 times better or 10 times happier or just great and, and you felt like you were really learning, stretching and getting somewhere, what's the next turn of the wheel for the podcast that will feel great? My ego says I wanted to blow up. <laughs> My ego is pretty obsessed with download numbers as a measure of yeah, just who's listening? Not who's listening, but that there that it has an impact. And it's hard not to get caught up in numbers. Of we, we can hear it on this call. I go between it's a passion project. I will do this if no one listens for three years. And oh, what's the numbers? <laughs> Which is a bit of a dichotomy. Yeah. For me, it's the learning. I don't know if it's a next level or the next turn of the wheel, but it's it's continued learning. In the break between season one and two, I'll, I'll rerun some of the episodes, the most popular episodes, in in August and. I've listened to those three episodes and that's probably now the third time I've listened to those episodes and I'm still learning. I'm like, that is so cool. Yeah. I'm still learning from something I created. Clearly learning is a massive value of mine. Yeah. To continue to explore what are the edges of things that I want to know about? Who are the people that I can help me and the listeners learn about this thing? And in every conversation I take away so much, even if I think I know a fair bit. I recorded a podcast on Friday with a breathwork coach, Jamie Clements, a well-known London breathwork coach. And like, I've been in breathwork sessions. I'm like, we'll have a conversation about breathwork and so everyone else can catch up. And it's like, no, I learned all sorts. He talked about different a framework of functional breathwork and nasal breathing. And I'm like, gosh, I spent the whole weekend with my nose buried in a book he recommended taping my mouth over <laughs> at night to stop myself mouth breathing at night. And you're like, that's from one conversation on a podcast. How cool is that? Yeah. So I think more of that. Yeah. And who knows? It's, it's not, it isn't quite as exciting perhaps as the answer you were looking for, but I'd be satisfied with that. Yeah, no, it's nice. It, it's the best sort of learning journey, isn't it, with podcasting? Because it's just, you're in the moment, it's happening, you just have to do it and then see if it's getting better. You just have to learn as you go. But it's a very exposing place to learn as well. It's, uh, and I like mm. that that modelling of learning on the go. I mean, as we're recording this, it's very timely. Wimbledon has just happened. Alcaraz at the age of 20 has just lifted the trophy. And I know you know my love of sport um, and sporting analogies don't always work, but he's been 
so amazing to follow because he let himself risk it way too soon for himself last year um, playing against Djokovic when he seized up head to toe with cramps and couldn't couldn't continue because he was so terrified and then cracked that in the public eye in order to come back and win um, on Saturday. It was just, what well, Sunday. It was extraordinary to be just failing repeatedly on purpose in the public eye. And it, I know it's a, a big jump, but that sort of podcasting learning journey in front of everyone, you know, trying something out, this works, this doesn't work. It's, it's brave work to do for me. I don't know if you feel it's that that part of it is brave. How do you feel about experimenting in public on the record in a permanent way, <laughs> not to scare the crap out of you forever? Oh my God, I love that. Um, I know, yeah. If you weren't worried, you are now. <laughs> it's okay. I know where all the episodes are hosted. I can take the whole thing down in a, in a moment sure. if I wanted to. How do I feel? Yeah. It doesn't feel brave. Yeah, it doesn't feel brave to me. No. I don't. I don't feel the public exposure. I feel like I'm in a process with some just great people along the journey. I feel very supported as well. Maybe that's part of it. Mm. A podcast editor and business coach who get this and get what this means to me. Friends like you who, who do podcasting as well, and maybe we can have little podcasting conversations and swap tools and tips is very helpful. And I think it's one of those things where you do if you do something that's aligned with your values. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's always easy, but it's it's nourishing in that way. But yeah, I don't feel brave. I don't, I don't feel not brave. It just yeah. it doesn't. It does. There's no edge for me here in that. Sure. So if I take you back to when you first launched it, I remember you sending me a note to say, "Oh, it's more tender than I expected to be." Putting it out there in the public. So tell me about that tender. What's I'd that? Forgotten that. Some of my self worth is tied up with other people's validation of, of me mm. It's part of my lifetime's work. And so the launch of things is a real coming together of that tender point for me of what everyone says it's shit. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't back myself in those moments of the launch of the podcast or the launch of the – I did the same thing I think with the newsletter three years ago. And then I've, I've got to do a lot of self-coaching about this is my, my self-worth is not dependent on the number of ratings I get or yes. the number of downloads I get. There's a fair bit of work to go into that to remind myself that. Yeah, that feels really familiar to me because I, I really believe 100% that it's what I'm recording is useful to some people because I've been told it is and I, I find the guests interesting. So I have to believe that they're worth it. And then every now and again at 3am, I could think, oh my God, what if it's all awful? And so everybody thinks it's terrible. I put it out there to be recorded. and But that doesn't seem to be what people say <laughs> about it. But it gets you in unexpected ways. I think that that surprise, oh, it's feel, suddenly it does feel tender mm. unexpectedly. Yeah, I, th I often think of the podcasting and maybe a lot of our work is it's a bit like a you know you host a, water, a watering hole into one of my favorite yeah. sort of images of you know I'm going to sit by the watering hole and, and just be still and chill and whoever's mm. in the forest or on the plains or wherever we are will come hang out if they want to come hang out yes and we're going to get you know unicorns and dinosaurs and rhinoceroses like all you know mixing at the same watering hole but they'll come because it's a nice watering hole and they think I have something to offer. And 
It yeah. feels like today I feel quite easily connect. I can connect to that quite easily. But you're right in reminding me there are moments when I I feel very d- far away from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. We have to. I don't want to stretch that analogy too far, but there'll always be a vulture that comes to the washing hole yeah, and causes chaos. Got a view. <laughs> yeah. yeah, flaps its wings and then yeah. buggers off. Yeah, so we can't do anything about that. There was a first. The first moment I've had of that was actually this week. This week's podcast was about money mindset, and I put it on mm. Instagram. And somebody clearly got very triggered by it and left a, a very strongly worded comment about how they don't have enough money to pay the rent and that I was full of privilege, like all Brits and Aussies and Americans and, and, and unaware of your privilege. And, and it was a bit like, whoa. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about putting this stuff you know, the, the downside of you want more coverage and more people to see it. and then, But in doing that, I'm going to go beyond, you know, clients who know me and like how I show yeah. up to people who have no idea who I am, who don't know what I stand for, who don't know my values and are going to judge me. He hadn't listened to the podcast. It was a 30-second clip on Instagram. Huh. Yeah. And it was. It wasn't about the positive. He was judging me in the comments. I know all about trolling because I, I read enough about it, but it doesn't happen to me because I don't have that visibility. Sure. And here we are. So maybe a, a, a moment of celebrating enough yeah. visibility to get trolled. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like your tax <laughs> Yay, bill's gone trolled. up. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh. just, it's just taken out of context. Um, mm. I mean, yes, I do have privilege. I had to own that. Uh, sure. And I thank them for pointing that out. Yeah, and I guess – the premise of the podcast is having difficult conversations potentially at work and they can also go trickily, can't they? They can also be hard and get feedback that's difficult. So to see you deal with having it, having that conversation and then there being someone who doesn't necessarily agree with all of it or might just have been a passing vulture, who knows? (laughs) Yeah, it could have well have been. I know. Yeah. (laughs) It's a private account, nothing about them. So yeah, we may never see them again. But it's an interesting signal. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be the best way to wrap up our conversation? If you were, is there anything I haven't mm-hmm. asked you about that you're thinking, ask me about this. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> anything I've missed? Well, I'm glad you didn't make me ask who my favorite guests were because they would be like oh, choosing your, no. favorite, yeah. your favorite children. That would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've got it covered. Well, I'll close in asking you how it feels to be a guest. <laughs> what does that feel like? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm trying harder than I do as a host to kind of be a good guest. <laughs> like, what's it like to be a good guest? Yes. Immensely grateful that, that this gets edited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not because there won't be stuff on the cutting room floor that was embarrassing or anything, but just there's a freedom in – we can have a chat and and know that if something goes wrong, which it very rarely does, it can be edited out. Yeah. And just really appreciating my guests for the courage it is to do you know, to come on the show and 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 I mean talk about hard things. We do you know, and what and the vulnerability that they have to step into for that. So incredibly and the show wouldn't exist without I mean, I wouldn't be that interesting banging on on solo episodes every week it would just not be that interesting so you know the guests make the show and very grateful for them 
Yeah. And, for, you know, I mean, you know, you're in the host role, but you're also in a guest role. So, you know, you're included in that. Well, it's a tremendous privilege. Um, I've loved traveling along together. So we seem to accidentally match patterns in each other's work journey, don't we, over the years? <laughs> we've we've had all sorts of things happen, happy and sad at a congruous yes. time. So it's a joy to watch Unsaid at Work just develop and develop. It feels to me like a flower opening. You know, it's it was good, great right from the beginning and it's getting better and better and deeper and seems to be sort of stepping into itself as this is what I stand for as a podcast, which I'm loving learning from. Mm. Loving along. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing that. I, I, yeah, that metaphor of finding the right outfit for me in the Royal Opera House costume mm. department is it's very appropriate, I think. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I think I, you know, I might be different end of series too, but I think, yeah, I, I think I get what this means to me and what it means to people who listen. Yes. And that, that's helpful, helpful and nourishing. Nourishing. Yeah. Mm. So mm. if someone's been listening to your podcast a wee bit, but they haven't found you yet anywhere, where's the best place for people to track you down and, and hear you more, see you more, speak to you? It depends on your preferred social platform. I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn because I think people often are one or the other. Yeah. And my, my newsletter list is a great way of something more consistent. Sure. There's all in the show notes, a little weekly newsletter. Sometimes it's sometimes it's about the podcast. It's often a story or some mostly with me being the bat of the story. Yes. Or learning or like a tool or something like that. People say nice things about the newsletter. So mm. yeah. Some it's, it's a great question. Other ways of hanging out and getting to know me a little better. That's great. Uh, one of the, my challenging part has been managing the tech at this end because I'm seeing you talk at a different time from when I'm hearing you. It's like being in a time warp. So I apologize if anything I'm doing is <laughs> slowing down the process. But um, I'm learning from you all the time and, and congratulations on completion of season one. Good luck season two. And I hope to meet you back on a podcast, mine or yours, soon. Oh, yes. Play more. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ali, for uh, allowing me to, to rest for a moment when the record button is going and, and, and just kind of dig in and, and just show up as me. I appreciate that. Well, you, you always do. You always do. <laughs> <laughs> Until the end of series two. Yes. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> I really had forgotten about how tender it felt to put this body of work out into the world. Now that Ali's reminded me, I do remember wondering about what people would think about the episodes, about my voice, topics. You know, was I the only one who wanted to have these kind of conversations? And I also remember the turning point, which I and I remember now having finished recording with Ali. And it was driving home from Heathrow Airport, about an hour road trip for me. And I put on my podcast... With a little trepidation. I had listened to some episodes before, but not fully like that. And just got completely immersed listening to two episodes back to back on the way home. And listening in, I realized it was good. And I was proud. I'm proud of this. And, and that was enough for me. You know, even if this podcast only ever made it to one season, I was really happy that this was a body of work out there in the world. Even if no one is listening, I think these are the kind of conversations we should be having. So thanks to Ali for reminding me of the earlier time and again how far I've come on this journey it's something I do fairly frequently I you know I reach a peak of a big mountain and then I'm looking again you know looking ahead at the at the next one and not admiring the beautiful journey behind me and the view behind me of, um, that I've come along so really grateful for Ali's thoughtful and kind questions 
and being the guest host today. Whilst my, this podcast has my name in it, there are a lot of people who've helped me on the way. Kelly Dimmock is my business coach that I talk about, who encouraged me to start the project. Mark Ronick is the podcast editor, who makes this podcast sound dead cool. Uh, and I know that because many of you tell me just the, the, the quality of the sound production just sounds so great to you. Many of you seem to be surprised at the quality. That's all on him. He also demystifies the process at every step. When you're new to it, it can feel completely overwhelming and podcasting has been really quite easy. Thanks to him. And finally, two friends of mine, two dear friends of mine, Ross and Tony, who have listened to every episode all the way to the end and always give me so much lovely, nourishing feedback. Thank you to you both for being such great friends and I really feel your hands on my back. Thank you. And now we get to the place where I say the thing that I've always wanted to say because I can be a bit of a drama queen sometimes, and it, this is That's a Wrap for Season 1. <laughs> this is your Wing Woman signing off. Mm-hmm.